Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the January 12th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. We want to apologize. Uh, we had some technical difficulties uh, considering both Sean Pearson and I are up in Stouffville, Ontario. He's on the north side of the street. I'm on the south side of the street. You figure we're not that far apart, uh, but unfortunately, we had issues. We're good to go. Uh, we're going to talk some mixed martial arts, but uh, of course, once Sean and I were able to start talking to each other. He already took a shot at me. He's got a problem with the way I dressed, and Sean, obviously, uh, you apparently look better than me. Well, that's not apparent. That's apparent to everybody. So that's just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that. But, you know, let's start this up, start talking fights. It's been a while for me. Well, guys, see, this is what I got to put up with every years. And I'm talking like decades worth of dealing with this guy all the time, continually saying he's better looking than me. I'm tired of people saying all the time that we look the same. We don't look the same. I'm obviously look at him prettier. Try, look at him trying to compliment himself in the middle of this whole thing, saying we look the same. That's a compliment to you, and you know that. Let's just move on again, and, and we'll go from there. You're five foot two. You're five foot two and truly bald, unlike myself who shaves his head. Let's just move on. And I told you guys the minute I, I secured Sean Pearson as a guest on a weekly basis, I got to deal with this crap all the time. All right, Sean. Uh, first things first. Uh, I, I get a lot of people asking me about you. Uh, are you ever coming back? Are you retired? What's going on? First things first. Uh, talk about quickly about your UFC career. Uh, is, is it all said and done? I'm pretty sure, unless they want to give me Conor McGregor money, which obviously I'm not going to get. Um, no, I'm done. I'm happy. Um, when my second child was being born, I just decided that, you know, financially it makes more sense for me to go back to work. Um, I didn't fight for the money, so I just thought it was, you know, best for me and my family to to move on with, the, you know, the next part of my career in my life, which is doing IT. Oh, you're an IT guy. And, and the irony of you and I trying to figure out what the heck was going on before we came on the air, but it's fixed. We're never going to have this issue again. So uh, glad to have it. Can you, can you talk about it now that you look back at your mixed martial arts career? I mean, uh, it all started with the, the first fight I saw of yours. I, I don't think it was uh, on the reserve. I think it was, uh, or maybe it was on the reserve, but there was, there's a video out there of you escaping an R bar running around the cage. And that's what got everyone's attention south of the border. Uh, but can you, if you can encapsulate your career and your legacy, what would it be? To be honest, I don't know if I have a legacy or career. I just, 
I was just a guy who loved this sport growing up. I remember watching UFC one at my parents' house with a bunch of buddies saying, I'm going to do that. Everybody laughed at me. And then, uh, you know, just that constant drive to, to want to compete. And, you know, I'll say they did a lot of things wrong, especially early in my career. I, I fought like this was men's league hockey. Um, you know what I mean? It was a weekend fight. Someone would call me and say, do you want to fight? I looked at the fight as being a party and just a good time rather than, a, you know, me trying to excel in a sport. So I, I came to a lot of fights unprepared. I won some of them, lost some of them. But not until, you know, I was married and, and you know, we had a serious, you know, sit down with my wife to say, okay, what's next? Am I trying to do this or not? And then we said, yeah, I want to go to the UFC. And we set some goals down. And that's when everything sort of took off when I got serious. In terms of looking at what you did in the sport of mixed martial arts, you're obviously a pioneer here in our province of Ontario. Uh, obviously in Canada, been competing so long, way back in, I think it was the IFC when it was on the reserve in Kahnawake? Yeah, it started with the IFC, uh, I think 97. I might be wrong, it might be 98 or 99. But it's back when I was, you know, 12 years old because I'm only about 30 now. So. <laughs> now, if you could give yourself – now that you know so much and have so much experience now – what advice would you give to a younger Sean Pearson and or if you were starting your career now? I would say stick with hockey or baseball. There's more money, but um, <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I would have taken things a lot more serious. Like I, again, I think I started this when I was about 20 years old, 21 years old. And it, like I said, it was just me and a bunch of buddies going to Montreal. I liked women, obviously, and I liked fighting. I was good at it, so... I really fought to get more women and that's, you know, it wasn't the right reasons to maybe, you know, get into the sport, but it was a, a good start for me. And I would just take things a lot more serious. I didn't think it was going to blow up like it did. Um, you know, I was so underground back then and I retired once before to get married, start a family. So, and then I came back. So I think I just want to try to, you know, be a lot more serious about my career, but again, I have no regrets. It's been great. Um, it was a great ride and you know, it's not really over yet. Well, that's good to hear, and it's not over yet. Um, a variety of topics that I want to touch on, uh, and some of them come to mind when I, when I think about guys nowadays, girls as well, um, hey, money just, fights. Hey, time out, time out. Just so I know, what's the, the cursing, the swear word? Is there anything allowed on this? Like, I just don't know, so I don't want to be out of bounds here when I talk. So what, what are the rules on this for us? No one's told me. And I'm not saying I'm going to be dropping you know, F-bombs here and there. I just, I, How careful do I have to be here? This is not UFC Central, Sean. If you choose to swear, you okay. Okay. you know I would do anything possible to prevent hey. you from doing it, but okay. it's going to happen anyways. I'm just saying this is a talk now. This is a little bit tougher. I don't have you know the big cameras in front of me, so okay, I got you. Yeah, it's different. We're not we're not sports now. We're not the TV station where we have to technically behave ourselves. But you could be you here, and uh, unfortunately uh, for my own ego and for anybody that knows me and knows Sean, I'm officially petrified right now uh, as to what's going to happen moving forward. But uh, all right, Sean. Uh, in terms of money fights, that this is sort of a trend uh, that's now basically taken full force with guys like Conor McGregor uh, and different people. Like even you had Tyron Woodley would have much rather fought Nate Diaz and give that rematch uh, to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I'm, listen, and this goes back to the days with Shaw Franco. Uh, he's the one that first instilled in me about Roy Jones Jr. He's like, Joe, this is prize fighting. Okay, It's not always about fighting the best guy. It's about fighting the guy and or girl that will give you the most money when it's time for you to step into the cage or the ring. Agree or disagree? I definitely agree. I'm not saying I like it, um, but I understand it. But now it's no longer a sport. So I'm sort of torn between the traditional, this is to find out who's the best. But at the same time, I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan, so I can't argue 
one way or the other, when he's going to fight, I'm going to watch. And because people... I think we lost uh, Sean Pearson there for a moment. He'll probably come back on or sign back on. Oh, there he is. Go ahead. What did you lose? My God. You said you're a big fan of Conor McGregor, and you would, you, you're always going to watch him fight, and then you sort of went blank on us. I'm sorry. So I'm just saying, like, I think we're losing part of the sport because we're no longer trying to find out who the best fighter is. We're trying to see who the best sort of fighter is with the most marketability. So it's, it's a catch-22 here. It's like it's, a, it's big business interfering with our sport. So at one point, we're, we're not necessarily seeing the fights that we need to see to see who number one is. But at the same time, we're, we're packing the stadiums. It's, as fans, it's our fault. Nobody else's. We dictate the sport. So if we want to see the best two fighters fight, we have to put – we have to say that. If we just want to see Conor McGregor fight Ronda Rousey, then we say that. It is what it is. Well, listen, it's tough to disagree with that assessment because it draw it moves the needle. Okay, Conor McGregor, with what he does outside of the cage and how he sells fights and how fantastic he is, it is what it is. So people are going to see him fight. Uh, and he commands a lot of money because he knows that when he steps into the cage, the UFC is going to make – a lot of it's the other fighters that have now caught on to this that think that in my opinion that think hey i deserve money fights as well well you do deserve money fights you put in years and years of training you know tyron woodley's got a belt around his waist did a fantastic job in defeating robbie lawler uh, obviously it was a, it was a draw with, with stephen wonderboy thompson and he knows he's getting older he knows his time is limited as is michael bisping as an example he knows uh, so he's boring as shit is what he knows so he can run yeah so he needs to grab onto these money fights he, if he can't knock somebody out in the first few minutes, and again, his last fight was entertaining, but I don't know if that's because Wonder Boy made him entertaining. I don't know if you're staring at me blankly because you can't hear me right now. Um, but <laughs> my point is, I've seen him. I've seen him before, just take guys down and hold them. You know what I mean? Like he's not the most exciting fighter. You know what I mean? He's not great in the microphone. He's trying to improve that, but that's why he's trying to cling on to these money fights. And the truth of the matter is, I don't even know if he won that last fight. So he is running from Wonder Boy a little bit because it's not a big money fight and it's a scary fight for him. Well, obviously he went five rounds, 25 minutes with him and wasn't able to finish him. So I hear exactly what you're saying, but I don't fault a guy like Tehran, despite uh, whatever you think of his style. If I'm going to fight, Okay, and Lord knows I'm not a fighter at your level or anyone else's level, but at the same time, it's like, I want to make as much money as I can some way, somehow. I'm not arguing with what he's doing. That's my point. But no longer are we seeing going to see the best fights coming up because people understand okay i've got a title right now there's a little bit of legitimacy beside me where can i make the most money but do we want to see that do we want to see champions never defend their belts against number one contenders because that's what's going to happen well it's exactly right? what's happening with mcgregor he wins the featherweight title takes out jose aldo jr with a crazy knockout which is absolutely fantastic but never again defended that title moves up or takes on nate diaz then fights for the title then wins that title there and now his you know his girl's pregnant totally respect that doesn't want to get stressed her out stuff like that and now we finally get word that Nurmagomedov um and tony ferguson are now fighting at ufc 209 for another interim title i mean this this is kind of crazy sometimes i agree and to me that's the true champ right there anyways but no one wants to see him fight. I've seen him wrestle a bear, but that's a true champion of that weight class. To me, Conor McGregor met the perfect storm in a lot of ways, and he, he did it himself, you know what I mean? So don't get me wrong. I don't take anything away from him, but us breaking it, or the UFC breaking into Ireland, right place, the right time. Um, 
him fighting for the the one fifty five pound title, which I thought was a again not necessarily an easy fight for him, but a more tailor made fight for him than some other potential fighters there. Um, you know, in, again, opportunity met skill, and he came through. But the truth of the matter is, what bothers me about everything is them trying to say that he fought at one seventy. Just because two 155-pound guys fight at 170 doesn't mean it's a 170-pound fight. I can fight another welterweight at heavyweight and call it a heavyweight fight, but I'm not a heavyweight. I didn't win a heavyweight fight. I won a welterweight fight when we both didn't make weight. The truth is, Nate Diaz was not an elite 170 ever in his career. He's a, he was a good 155-er. So saying that you want to fight at welterweight, what is he? He's 2-1 and one at 155, and he's a champion with a 2-1 and one record. I'm like... Obviously, we're not seeing the best fighters in the world. He won a great fight at that moment, and he's always going to have that chance. He's an amazing stand-up fighter. He's got some great boxing skills, and he's a heavy hitter. You mean he fought a guy who, Eddie, who I, I highly respect, but I think he's a little bit over the top past his, you know, the peak of his career. Um, he gets knocked down a lot. He gets hit a lot, and that's just a, a nightmare when you're fighting McGregor who hits everybody, and he hits hard. You know, I knew if that was going in the first round, it was done. Listen, that style matchup favored Conor McGregor big time uh, only because of the way um, – I understand what you're saying that Eddie's sort of over the hill now. Not over the hill, but at least, you know, listen, MMA yeah. mileage is real. MMA mileage is absolutely it, it, real. Yeah, it's not necessarily an age thing. It's the mileage thing. He, he's been in the game for a long time. He's had a lot of fights. That, that's, I agree. That, that's what my point is. And he gets hit. He's that guy who gets hit, weathers a storm, and comes back. And I highly respect him. I, I looked up to him for a long time. He was a great fighter. But I felt that fight was tailor-made for Connor. You're a self-pop when you competed, mainly because of your wrestling base and the, and the way you like to compete or the way you like to use your stance. How impressed are you with Connor McGregor? Because the one thing I really like about his style, it's not just that he's a self-pop and how he throws that strike. It seems he's all, always able to throw it or launch it as the opponent is walking into it. I, his footwork's amazing. That, that's what's critical there, right? He, he gets in and out very quickly. He avoids strikes and counterpunches very well. Like, I know he's not an elite, elite boxer. May have lost Sean again Two there for games. Sorry, say again. You said he was an elite boxer, Sean? No, I'm saying he's not an elite boxer. Not, sorry. Okay. But at the same time, in the MMA, you don't have to be elite. You just have to be, he's elusive. He's a hard hitter. And he understands the game very, very well. Like, I, I I'm a, again, I'm a huge fan, so it's hard for me to say too many negative things about him. At the same yeah. time, I love to see him lose. Why? Because, I lo- well, first of all, I like everybody to be humbled. That's the nature of the game. you got to be humble. And I became a true fan of his. I always liked him, but I became a true fan after he lost. Because when he lost, he took it like a man, and he said, no excuses, the better man won today, but I'll be back, and I'll be back to conquer Nate Diaz. And he did. And I'm like, there was no excuses at the time. I, I, like, I loved how he took it. That's when I became a real fan, and I, I started cheering for him. That's, well, the, he, that's why I don't love Ronda Rousey. One of the reasons why I don't love Ronda Rousey. I hate that part. I, I was going to ask you the same thing because you take – I mean, that is an individual characteristic, especially when it comes to personality and behavior. And when you mix personality and behavior, you get bad things sometimes. And you take a look at how, you know, people – a lot of people were – you know, they're laughing at Ronda Rousey. They, they, they change their, 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 um, their Instagram pictures or their, their profile pictures, their avatars with Ronda Rousey's face getting, you know, completely beat up and mangled. And I think it's absolutely crazy. But the fact of the matter is sometimes people and, and the fans and the, harsh, the harshest of fans – I can understand what they're saying. It's like, look, you lost. 
you know, like shake your opponent's hand. Like you lost. It, it, it is what it is. You, you go back to the to to the gym and you learn. But people have a big time problem with Rousey because you know they're calling her a sore loser because she was the shittiest winner. So if you're gonna act like a bitch when you win, don't think that you can like come back when you lose and ask for oh I'm so sorry. Why is everybody so mean to me? Because you were like that when you won. Do you know what I mean? You were so hard on everybody, you know, and there's so many memes out there with her, you know, giving this girl the finger, doing this, preacher's daughter this, blah, blah, blah. But then when you lose, there was no humility there. I mean, you expect everybody to be on your side. You got to take it both ways. And as a role model, some of the things that she says, I'm just like, listen, like, how are you a role model? If I had a daughter right now, I don't want her to, to grow up like that. At the end of the day, there's bigger things in life. I understand what goes into winning and losing and how it is your life. I take it personal. I cry when I lose behind closed doors, but it happens. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, I know that life goes on and I've got bigger, more important things, you know, with my career, with my kids and everything else. So again, maybe I was a little more mature in the situation. I'm not in her spot, but I don't like how she handled their loss at all. You mentioned two things that I want to touch on and we'll talk to, we'll talk, we'll touch on Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. And you also said the real winner or the real champion of that division is Habib Nurmagomedov. And I'll, I, I tell the story. I've told it before on this podcast before with Sean Ross Sapp. There's two people that have impressed me the very first time I saw them in person. I mentioned your name. So the first time I saw Sean Pearson train or just do anything in a gym, I was like, holy, who's this? Like here I am with a blue belt on with my gi. I think I'm a badass. And then I see you, and I'm like, I don't want to roll with that guy. The second time was when I was over in uh, in Bahrain last year, uh, and I've seen so many people from George Saint Pierre. But you see them compete, then you see them in the gym. When I first saw Habib Nurmagomedov in Bahrain, I was just kind of like, dude, this guy is scary as that you could possibly imagine. Um, when you see Habib compete, you just said basically he's the real. T- I'm assuming you meant Habib, and not yeah. Tony Ferguson. Yeah about his style because this guy is dominant and he doesn't give a crap about what anyone says about him. And when he steps in there, people are in trouble. Despite what, what Michael, John, Michael Johnson did to him in the last fight, and at least in the first round where he was tagging him, Habib had enough and said, you're going down on the ground and I'm going to smash you. I don't understand. I don't think normal people or the majority of people understand how hard it is to grind. This guy's able to grind for 15 to 25 minutes straight, and that's unheard of. So he's able to grind and hit at a high level. His, his grappling is at such a high level and at such a high pace, which, you know, I, 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 me being in the game, that's my biggest fear when I made the UFC. It's like, man, I used to be a pure ground fighter before the UFC. And I just realized, I'm like, if you don't finish guys in the first round, that grind, especially me, I'm lazy. You, know? <laughs> you are not. Come on. I know, but I don't have the cardio. Maybe because I was old. I don't know. But to do a grind for 15 minutes like that is very difficult. And he's able to keep that pace up the whole fight. And that's scary. As, as someone fighting him, that's very scary. Do you mean that he's constantly in your face, grinding you, grinding you, grinding you? Clay Guida was like that as well, but not the same skill level. Clay Guida had the cardio and the sort of the, the psycho mentality to try and do the, a similar approach, but without the skill level of Habib. Um, he, he's a scary individual in there. And again, his boxing was exposed a little bit in the last fight. But when you said, when he had enough, he's had enough. He's like, oh, we're going to go to the ground now. And from that point on, there was no stopping him. 
the one thing about Habib is just, and I don't know if you've ever met him outside of the cage or outside of action. The guy's hilarious. I mean, I mean, I got to deal with you. I've been around you. I've been around some crazy ass people. We could mention Justin Bruckman. We could mention a bunch of people, Monkey and stuff like that. That are, you know, you guys are all nuts. But Habib's funny, man. Like he's, he, you need to watch out with him. He'll he'll mess up with your gym bag. He'll mess up with your dinner. Uh, the guy's just hilarious. Um, but when you look at him compete, he does bring sort of that attitude. Uh, the guy was talking to Dana White. His last he's tra- fight, like- it, was awesome. it was awesome. That last fight was awesome. When he started talking, and then I didn't know what he was saying, but then we've all gone back and watched it. You know, I'm going to beat up your son and this and that. It, I, he's funny, and he's starting to learn the game from things like that. He looks at Conor McGregor, and he's seeing what it takes to try and get these title shots done. But until the UFC wants to push somebody, they're not getting pushed. And that, that's the nature of the beast. That's always been my problem with the way the organizations run as far as where it's, you know, who they feel is the next big thing. That's why I remember I tweeted a long time ago when Sage first lost his fight. I'm sure Sage is the nicest guy in the world, and I've got nothing against him personally. When I tweeted what I did, I think it was just about, you know, glad to see a poster boy lose or something. It wasn't because I was glad to see him personally lose. I was glad to see that someone the UFC decided that they wanted to build, paying overpaying somebody to fight chumps in the octagon that didn't believe, belong there, actually lost one of those fights. I was happy to see that because there, there's your investment. Why don't you invest in everybody like you do with this guy here because you think he's good looking, you know, he's young, he's going to sell you guys tickets. And it, I just don't like it when they pick guys to groom. You know, let the, the cream rise to the top. Do you think, I mean, I know that they, they announced the fact finally that this is an interim title at 155 pounds between Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. Um, but at some point, Conor McGregor has to fight one of these guys. And, and, and I'm leaning towards, obviously, Habib Nurmagomedov. Take nothing away from Tony Ferguson. I just think the style matchup. And, and I think if, once Habib gets his hands on you, you're in big trouble. Uh, and I don't think Conor McGregor is, is fearful of him. But Conor has to fight eventually. And when he comes back, that's probably going to be the guy he fights unless he does something crazy. And don't be surprised because when I had to talk with George St. Pierre uh, at the Gentleman's Expo, I mean, don't be surprised if Conor McGregor doesn't ever compete again in the UFC because he knows how much money he could actually make. I mean, George told me it was 8%. Uh, he's like, I'm not coming back for 8%. He goes, Conor McGregor better realize that. He's getting like 8% when he should be getting 40 to 50% of those pay-per-view sales. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know what's going to go on there. And Connor's in a good spot now. Um, and I think Connor's a smart guy too. Connor recognizes that he's, I don't, he lost an eight Diaz. He came back and beat him, but he didn't beat him up. There's a lot of guys at that weight class at 155 that are going to give him some headaches. Um, what he did was great, but I, f- I think he knows if he stays around at 155 long enough, he's going to take his lumps. Um, he's going to win some fights too, but, He's not untouchable. And, again, I'm a big fan. And then, yeah, no, he'll joke about going to 170, and I would too for big money. You know what I mean, he's going he's gonna to follow the money. So, you know, if Connor could get a fight with Floyd, he'd get a fight with Floyd for the right money. But he knows he's going to get killed. But I'm sure, you know. But the whole point is there's so that the, the latest report was Mayweather offered Conor McGregor $15 million for a fight, and I'm pretty sure Conor actually laughed at that because Conor will then throw back. It's all negotiations. But, I mean, Sean, this fight's not going to happen. Come on. No, really? no, no, no. It'll never happen. The UFC wouldn't let it happen. Conor McGregor, I guess for enough money, would, would fight, but the fight's not getting out of the first or second round. We all saw the footage online of Conor and his sparring partner when they first they showed him beating a guy up, and then it came back where he was getting you know worked by you know a, either a low-level pro or a high-level amateur boxer in sparring. I'm like, 
It's, it's two different sports. You, he can learn it. He can do well, but he's not, a, he's not at that level. Floyd is a different level. Why is it fans or, or some people just – even media. Like there's media out there that are like legit thinking Conor McGregor can beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. Like why is it that they can't understand Floyd Mayweather is on a, like a different level when it comes to boxing in terms of Conor McGregor? Well, never mind level. What, the, the bigger problem is, is 90% of the media out there have never been an athlete, have never been in a sport. So they're going to believe whatever some guy tells them. So when Conor McGregor starts chirping off, he's a believable guy. And you start to believe in the hype, especially when he's been backing things up. So I just feel that most of the media sources out there don't have a clue. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're fans of the sport. But until you're in there and recognize it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like you could even, I get, would have all different champions if you had 10 two-minute rounds in MMA because it's a different MMA style then, right? There's going to be a lot more stand-up fight. You know what I mean? Like you change the rules a little bit, different people rise to the top because different styles become more effective. So, you know, it's a different rule set and it's a different skill set. You said that if Conor McGregor was to fight boxing, it probably wouldn't get out of that first round. What if Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor in the well, he'd octagon? Get killed. He'd get killed. McGregor would beat him faster. I think, I think McGregor would beat him faster in an MMA fight than, than he'll beat McGregor in a boxing fight. But, do you know what I mean? Because there's a lot more to worry about in an MMA fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, Floyd, you know, has never done any groundwork. I'm sure he's never done any, you know, takedown defense. He's not going to get himself to a level. So if McGregor wanted to take him down and give him a beating there, he would. Um, at least McGregor has focused and been with boxers standing up. And again, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just saying that they'll both get killed in each other's, you know, backyards. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't like to talk about it. Roy Jones Jr. was my idol growing up, so I never thought that I should be stepping in the ring with Roy Jones Jr. So I, I don't know what people are thinking. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Uh, I didn't want to go back to some of the stuff that Sean and I used to discuss about Roy Jones, but that guy was a master, a master at, at that portion of his career kind of moving on, moving forward and stuff like that. Um, you mentioned some of the rules in mixed martial arts, um, how the game could change if there was 10 or two-minute rounds and stuff like that. There are changes now in 2017 coming up to some of the rules and how fighting and judging is scored. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the video by John McCarthy as he addressed a lot of the referees and judges? Never. I'd never watch it. I'd fall <laughs> Okay, I'll give you some examples. Gone is the ability of that loophole uh, for a fighter, for example, against a cage or against a clinch to put his hand on the mat or her, her hand on the mat, uh, and, not, and then you can't get kneed in the face. You can't get kicked in the face. That is gone. You're no longer a downed fighter. Uh, agree or disagree with this rule? Agree. Just knee people in the face anyways. It is what it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's the new change now, and people are sort of dubbing it the John Jones rule. But uh, if you put your hand out, uh, fingers extended to your opponent's face or their eyes, uh, the referee now has a right to give you a warning and or a foul. And if it's overly flagrant, take away a point. Uh, if it continues, it costs you the fight. Agree or disagree? I don't know. It's never going to happen anyway. So it's one of those moot points. It's one of those stupid rules, again, that it's left in the referee's discretion. So who knows what's going to happen there? If when when two when things are a discretion of the of the ref, you know what I mean. What do you do if they, if it's a crowd favorite? If it's GSP, he's never getting that foul. If it's Nate Diaz, he's getting it every time. It you can't just be discretionary. It's a rule or it's not a rule. There shouldn't be discretion with things. As soon as there's discretion, there's favoritism. There's you know there's a lot of different things. Might as well just go to video replay now. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I made it clear to you guys when I tried to get Sean Pearson to be my co-host for at least one episode a week, you just got what I was hoping for. This is a guy who will never hold back his opinion. And God forbid you get him off camera and you get him anywhere near in public. I've been there. It sucks. This guy doesn't stop. And his opinion gets stuffed down your face. And trust me, I've been there. Anyway, Sean, judging. Favoritism. You think there'll be favoritism in judging because now finally, and I'm saying this honestly, they're finally going to be judging fights or they should be judging fights. Hopefully not, like you say, uh, in a subjective manner, but they're finally going to be judging fights the way they should be judged. It's not quantity. It's quality. You can throw a bunch of jabs as much as you want. You can throw a three-punch combination and stuff like that. But if your opponent hits you with that right hand and hurts you, you won that exchange. It's about impact, quote-unquote damage. People don't want to use the word damage. Fine. It's about impact. If a guy's caught in a triangle choke, it may not be on, but the other opponent or the opponent is defending. You're defending for three minutes of that round. You didn't do anything in that round, really. you got two minutes now to swing it over. Do you agree with the fact now that they're finally looking at fighters MMA is an aggressive sport, but fighters now looking to finish the fight will get that 10-9 and or 10-8 round? Once again, you're expecting judges to have a clue about this sport. They don't. How many times have we watched a fight and been clearly the wrong guy? Just to, I think there's times when, like, how do you get a 29-28 you know, one way and then a 30-27 the other? I'm like, that's just some guy who should get fired. You mean or <laughs> Dude, there's been 30-27s one way, 30-27 the other way. That's what I mean. So, you know what I mean? They don't fire for incompetence now. So, And I know it's not the UFC's fault because they've got no control of that. But until they control that kind of stuff, all this other stuff is irrelevant. If you don't finish a fight, just you know, flip a coin and, and figure it out. Because the truth of the matter is, most of the judges don't have a clue. Okay, so you mentioned a good point. I, I talked about this uh, the other day with Elias Theodoro I said to, and, and Sean Rossap. I said, look, if the UFC is going to, to a state or a province and you're putting up all this money uh, to hold the event in that province or state, whatever venue it is, whatever jurisdiction it's under, me personally, if I'm the guy, if I'm, if I'm the operations guy or I'm the international guy for the UFC and I want to go to a commission, why can't I ask and say, who are the referees that you're going to sign over or are you going to assign? Who are the judges? Because I want to know if each one of them are, have actually taken a course to say that I am certified either under Big John McCarthy's course, Herb Dean's course, any association, association of boxing commission course that says you understand mixed martial arts. You know mixed martial arts. You can tell the difference between a Kimura, an Americana, a Numa Plata, a, a triangle choke, an armbar, a Von Flu choke, whatever takedown, double leg, single leg. You know what mixed martial arts is. Why can't a promoter be able to say, you know what? No, you're not putting those refs in there because I'm paying this and it's for the safety of the fighters and for the fighters' careers. I don't know. I, I think the UFC should have the right to bring their own refs and their own judges to every fight. If I had the same judges for every fight, at least I know what I'm expecting. I know what these judges like to see. I know how I, you know, how to cater my fight. You know what I mean, I know whether I'm up or I'm down. I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that problem. But the commission, and again, boxing has similar problems. But I don't. I don't believe anybody should have to. I, I don't know how to answer that question. There. The truth of the matter is, most of these people are morons. Most of them are boxing people that don't even like MMA, but they're taking a paycheck. So they're like, oh, UFC's here. I'll, yeah, sure, I'll judge it, but I don't like it. And, you know, if you don't like something, you know, maybe they'll just, I'll go 30-27. I don't know. I'll go 30-27 the other way just to piss. I, I think it's, listen, I think it's absolute and complete and utter bullshit. Okay, Sean? It's bullshit that the fact that 
a fighter's life, a, a referee is there to ensure someone doesn't get hurt. Okay, that's just to stop a fight and put fouls out there and, and take away points. He's there for the safety of the fighters. So if a referee has no idea about what's happening in mixed martial arts, he should be in a cage or a ring. When it comes to judges, the bottom line is a judge, yeah, I know they're scoring a fight and they've got, you know, they're hopefully trying to get it all correct, blah, blah. You're affecting a fighter's career earnings, okay? Because a fighter that's in, that it's in a potential number one contender fight to get a title fight, what he's been trying to do or her trying to do their whole life, you can now impact that. And if you don't know what you're doing, Okay, so in my opinion, I think it's bullshit that these these regulators allow these people, if they're not freaking certified, it's stupid. The sport, in, in my opinion, has to change that. If you're not certified or have taken a course or proven that you know it, you should not be cage side or in a cage. Yeah, that stuff's all boring anyways. The truth is you want a title shot, just learn how to talk in a mic. We talked about it before. <laughs> We're just looking for money fights now. You don't need to win fights. Just <laughs> The sport is going away from who the best is. So just don't worry about all the boring stuff there. You're right. It's At the end of the day, you know what I mean? You affecting my paycheck, I don't look at it like that anymore because the truth of the matter is no, we're not helping each other anyways. If we're not talking on that mic and doing the right thing, then you know that's the one thing that I sort of did naturally when I was younger. But once I had kids and stuff, I sort of always wanted to watch what I was saying. I think I, I tried to react too much to how GSP had had already been the sort of a trailblazer in the UFC as far as getting sponsorships and stuff. But it was hard for me to play the good guy because I'm not really that much of a good guy in that sense. Like I'm not Mr. Polite. I'm not, you know I mean? I, I want to be a good role model for my kids, but at the same time, I'm going to drop the odd F bomb. And you know, when, when George couldn't do that and I always thought I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that. But you know, you got to take from Roy Jones Jr. In the past, you know, the flash is what got him paid. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, trust me, please for the love of all things holy, if you're ever around Sean Pearson, don't rile him up because once he goes off, it, it'll never end. And especially if it's on you, it's it's just, it's never pretty. Uh, Sean, one of good things about Sean is if you ever get a chance to see Sean at an appearance and or a bar, stand next to him because people will try and buy him drinks. He doesn't drink. So if you're next to him, he may just slide that drink over. Been there. Um, being a straight edge guy, pretty much. On Friday, tomorrow, the Nevada State Athletic Commission is talk is potentially going to discuss the fact that, you know what, enough is enough with this marijuana situation. They're probably going to just abolish it and say, you know what, as long as you're not stoned getting into a cage or a ring, it's fine. Agree or disagree? I'm cool with it. I don't care. I grew up in the era that if people were doing steroids, do you know what I mean? Like, I, you don't like it, but it is what it is. So if someone was, you know, stone going to a fight with me, I didn't look at it as a disadvantage. If I didn't beat the guy up, I, you know, want to shoot myself. Like <laughs> this guy just, this guy just smoked some weed, day and he, you know, feels good. He's smiling, and he's a nice guy right now. Like how can I not beat him? Like I'm sure Riddle had to be potted up when I fought him. Like he loves his pot. He just supposed it a few times. You know what I mean? He's a great guy. I was going to ask you about Riddle because Riddle's got a podcast here on Fightful as well, and it's an absolute disaster. But listen, he makes no bones about smoking a dupe. Hey, disaster. I started following this guy on Twitter. He's got like 23,000 or, or no, like 261,000 followers. He's doing something right. He's a pro wrestler now. Like that guy's doing something something real right. I don't know. Uh, all the best for him, man. He's, he's out there doing his thing, and it is what it is. I think it froze on me again, Sean. Try again. 
Oh, I think we did lose Sean for a moment there. He'll probably come back. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on the picture, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, yeah, Fightful uh, MMA, Fightful Wrestling, uh, Fightful.com. We do have Sean Pearson, and we do have Matt Riddle. These two guys competed against one another uh, in Montreal uh, in a fight that a lot of the media were kind of taking shots at me. And I did make a – I won't say enemies with some of the media, but when your boy is – I don't know. I think I was, Sean was 20 feet uh, in front of me in the octagon, I, I had to get up from my seat. My producer, Bobby T, was like, dude, just go off to the side. I was pacing. I was soaking wet. I didn't know what to expect with Sean because I, I just wanted him to win. Take nothing away from Matt. But there's my boy in there. What's happening? What's happening? So, uh, Sean, you back? Yeah, I'm back. Let's go back to that Matt Riddle fight for a moment there. You, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you probably remember it, but what went through your mind? I think that was your octagon debut, correct? Yep. Yeah, first fight, uh, to me, it was just one of those surreal feelings. I didn't get much time to stress about it. I think I took it on about three weeks' notice. Um, I went in there, and again, I just nothing to expect. I just, you know, we, we, we and the boys talked, and we said I could be one and out. You know what I mean? I had no idea. Like Riddle looked good in his, you know, the, from what I had seen on tape. So I just said, hey, just let's go out there and bang it out a little bit and see what happens. Actually, I just, I kind of, uh, I, I'm re- re- excuse me, reorganizing my room and I found something that was given to me recently. And it said, listen, do you still talk to Sean Pearson? I'm like, the guy lives up the road from me. Uh, are you able to give him something if I send it over to you? I said, yeah, well, you know, if you don't mind. Uh, I said, just, you know, fire it over, gave him my address and it came. And I was like, oh, uh, so do me a favor, Sean. Keep talking until you see me come back on camera. All right, no problem. I don't know where uh, Joe's going, but we can all look at his terrible shirt right now. Although it is tucked in, he's not wearing a belt, I'm sure. So that's pretty embarrassing. Let's see what he's going to pull out here. All right, I'm back. Um, I hope it's my hat. <laughs> my hat from back in the day was stolen. I don't know where that ever went. This, I hope you like this better. But this was given to me by Esther Lynn from all elbows or at all elbows, you can't tell me that this is not badass. Oh, I love that picture. It's not showing up very well right now because there it is. That's a good pick. If you take a look at that now, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Pearson, I know there's got some cellophane on there, but Sean Pearson taking on Matt Riddle. I'll kind of move it around there. But uh, Sean, we got to frame this. We have to definitely frame this uh, because I'm actually sweating looking at this right now because it makes me nervous. You got room in that, uh, where are you on, the basement? Yeah, I'm down in the basement. So we gotta frame this. I'll uh, I'll try and figure out how I'm gonna frame this. Uh, consider it my part of my gift to you. I wonder if there's other stuff in here. No, there's not. Sorry, bud. It's just one picture, but it's a <laughs> badass picture. Uh, we'll get this thing framed and we'll figure it out. But uh, yeah, actually, can I have it? Yeah, man, it's yours. <laughs> I'm not gonna give it. It's totally for you, man. Maybe I'll make a print of it and I'll put it up in here as well. But uh, there you go, Sean. We'll uh, we'll suddenly get this thing framed and we'll make sure we get over to you. Did I say Christmas, dude? We're we're in January. Maybe that's how long it'll take me to frame this, Sean. <laughs> we'll get it done. Um, before we wrap up the show, there's a couple of other things that I do want to talk about. Uh, I know we talked about the judges and stuff like that. Um, 2016. I know we're I know we're on January 12th right now. 2016. People were talking about who's the fighter of the year. Uh, a lot of people talk about Cody Garbrandt. Obviously, that's a recency bias in my opinion. Uh, but basically, what Michael Bisping did, I gave it to Conor McGregor because it's the first time ever we have a champion in two different divisions. If you had a 2016 fighter of the year, who would it be? Uh, Conor McGregor is the only one anyone cares about. But wasn't his record last year two and one? Yes. Like so again, I. 
I'm a fan, so give it to him. But if we're talking about fighting, that you know, Cody came out of nowhere for me. And to be honest, like I can't believe what he did in that that title fight was unbelievable. Um, Ronda Rousey, I you know possibly give it to her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, wonder what it's it's not. I don't because she made three million bucks. Like what's that? Like what what was the number sixteen thousand a second or something? I don't know what it was. Is that that all she made? Come on, that's called that's not even the pay per view numbers. She made a retarded amount of money. True. Okay, and I don't know. It's funny. Let me see what else is on this that we were supposed to talk about today. So Ronda Rousey's post we haven't talked about. Cyborg's post. Um, well, she said Ronda Rousey basically said she's you know she's her new foundation now starts at rock bottom, uh, and this would be what she was up. But then Cyborg posts actually something nice, and yeah. I wonder because Cyborg's people don't often post nice things, and there's a nice post then from Cyborg. What the heck? Yeah, that was cool. Now. Rock bottom, like, when is she going to cut this Edmund guy? Because really, he's the one that we all hate. Like, he's one of those guys. I'm like, this guy's a douchebag. Like, come on. Do you know how, like, when he, like, who puts their picture up beside Muhammad Ali? What kind of moron does that? Like, he's a fraud. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, as soon as you put your picture beside Muhammad Ali, you're a fraud. I mean, you can't have a picture next to him unless you're just shaking his hand or, like, in awe of him. He's got a picture up there holding belts like he's his equal. That's embarrassing. And that's on like every every UFC, whatever. Like it's embarrassing, man. Come on, take that down. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Like, that's embarrassing. Listen, uh, it, in my opinion, Rhonda doesn't Rhonda needs a new training camp. Okay. She needs to go somewhere else. I like the idea of Team Alpha Male. I know people have said, listen, you know, there's the whole Paige Van Zandt thing. I don't I don't buy that. Okay. Um it, it Ronda will do well wherever. If Ronda comes back, she's an athlete, okay? I don't love her attitude, but she's an athlete. She can come back and compete. It's going to take her a little bit to get her strike. Ronda, what she should do is go back to her roots. Why are you trying to stand up with everybody anyways? You know what I mean? Like, and again, I'm saying that, and I did the same thing. But at the end of the day, she should be going in there, throwing girls on their heads, and armbarring them. You know what I mean? She, I didn't see any of that. And both the Cyborg fight and the Nunez fight, we didn't see it because she was hit early. When you get hit and rocked early, don't think you're taking anybody down. So, I'll throw this your way, and he might have been one of the people that agreed with me way back when. I said the UFC will never put Cyborg and Ronda Rousey together ever until it's Ronda Rousey's last fight, and they realize they'll never make money from her again. And the fight will still never happen because now Cyborg's gone and tested positive for something else, and again, I don't know what it is, what it is, but. I don't know. Everybody and their mother test positive in the UFC right now. To me, it's just an ongoing joke. And I, I wonder what else we should be talking about, the Mark Hunt stuff. Yes. Mark Hunt suing the UFC. Uh, obviously, with the whole Brock Lesnar situation, there's collusion, he's saying, racketeering. Uh, this, is, this could be an interesting case. Or will it be a situation, Sean, where you know the UFC brass, listen, we got lawyers upon lawyers. We got way more money than you're ever going to be able to put up with this. And they bury this and basically hemorrhage money out of Mark Hunt's pocket. No, I think they're either going to pay him off or they're going to have to deal with this because this can get a lot bigger because I, again, I, I can't guarantee anything, but I know there's a, you go back, they've known about people testing positive for years and years and years and years and years. And you're letting those people on steroids and testing positive compete against guys that probably aren't on steroids. And so when, when I, you know, in 10 years from now, when I'm suffering from multiple concussions from the UFC, 
what stops a lawsuit from coming your way? What's like, look what's happening at the NFL. Look what's happening with. So you're telling me if you knowingly knew that this person was on um, performance enhancement drugs and let them compete in this organization, how I just, I see this being a big can of worms about to open up. And then at the same time, you know, you've got this athletic, you know, athletes union, you know, somewhat starting up. I think they got to start nipping things in the butt, and that's probably going to mean paying some people out. They've been, you know, saving money for years, paying us two percent of the the profits, so they got some bank in there. Yeah, well, this is the association. It's also, I mean, I think Elias made a good point that you know, it's 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 something that we've all known that no one really speaks about it, but it's basically two Hollywood agencies now going at each other. That's that's part of it all. So it could get ugly when you look at it that way. Uh, let's wrap things up with an event happening on Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen. Not on Saturday night, but on Sunday night. Uh, we'll just talk about the main event real quick here. Uh, BJ Penn's another guy I, I just wish would not come back to mixed martial arts. He is coming back. He's actually even stated that there, he's making a run to the 145 pound title. He's got Yair Rodriguez to go to, to get past first. I mean, I asked Sean Ross Sapp specifically, do you think this fight gets past the first round? And he said no. I mean, what's your assessment of this boat? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> what am I? You think I'm going to tune into that Sunday night? That's a PVR event. You know what I mean? Is it a free event? It's free. I'll PVR it and watch it another time. But, you know, I'll, I'll go play hockey with my kids Sunday night before I watch that. I'm, and BJ Penn is probably my all-time favorite fighter, but he was my all-time favorite fighter 10 years ago. I don't want to see him get beat up. You know what I mean? And if he wins, that's great. I'll watch it the next day. When he gets killed, I don't have to watch it. I don't like this whole, you know, like, you know, the Ken Shamrock versus Tito Ortiz crap. And I know that's not what we're doing here, but BJ Penn, someone in his camp has just got to tell him it's time to move on. And, and I feel like that's a problem with fighters in boxing, mixed martial arts, like Roy Jones. Why is Roy Jones still fighting? Come on, man. Like, you're my all-time hero in boxing. You should not be in the ring ever again. You mean you've, you're tarnishing your legacy? BJ Penn's going to do the same thing for me here. Like, again, I'm not saying physically you can't, but you shouldn't have to at your age. Unfortunately, we got into the UFC at an early age when we didn't make millions, but I believe he's already well off. You don't need this. You don't need the money. He's got to find something else to move on. He's got a family, some young kids. I don't want to see it. Well, you and I both have uh, young kids, so we'll probably need to wrap this up because I think it's past my bedtime. But uh, anything else that you want to say? Because I officially, uh, I'm a little pissed to be able to talk to you back on air for another week uh and who knows what's going to happen between now and then but anything else you want to say before uh, we say goodbye no it was a pleasure uh, having you as my co-host um you know i'll bring you back on my show you know probably next week sometime but we'll go from there buddy ladies and gentlemen sean pearson <laughs> you can follow him online at sean pearson check out his instagram check out his twitter you guys realize he lives two minutes north of me and i gotta deal with this guy like it's not like i gotta deal with him all the time on the air i gotta deal with him in my own town i can't go buy grocery shopping without i actually ran into his wife who's the sweetest ever and i'm like what are you doing with sean sean like i mean what like i mean she, she, you know how lucky that like, you are to have her well joe we we will admit my wife's hot but remember i'm a celebrity <laughs> right i tell her i tell my wife all the time i'm a celebrity that's why you're with me I might be poor, but I'm somewhat of a celebrity. Like, there's at least 15 people in this town that know who I am. So I'm. <laughs> so and there's 16 of us, to be honest. Sean, listen, thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye.
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you give him a follow at Sean Pearson uh, on social media. And, of course, thank you, everyone. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, probably at 10.30 a.m., I'll be speaking with Reed Kuhn. And Reed is a guy who moves the lines in Las Vegas. When he speaks, Vegas listens. And you know me. I like to write my articles with the fun bets. Uh, He's a guy that I've always looked up to, and I'm actually in his book, and we'll talk about that tomorrow. uh, And we'll discuss, uh, obviously, you know, Fight Night 103, Rodriguez versus Penn. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Ciao for now. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money.